Welcome to You Are Not A Goat. If you want to follow your passion and do what you love, this is the podcast for you. Without further ado, here's your host, Slimy Zions. I'm inspired. I am so inspired. I cannot wait to tell you about this episode. So let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to another edition of You Are Not a Goat, the best podcast on the internet. My name is Shlomi Zients and I'm your host. Boy, do we have a show for you today. If you're new here, I would just tell you a little bit about the podcast. You Are Not a Goat is a program for people who are different, people who think different, people who act different, people who are not afraid to be themselves and to do what is best for them. So far, all of the people that we've interviewed have been people who are successful entrepreneurs, business owners, um, a lot of good interviews, but we've never had, until this episode at least, we've never had somebody who is just a winner at life, somebody who was given a really big challenge and who has overcome the challenge. I'm going to tell you who our guest is. This guest is super inspirational. I spoke to her just yesterday and... She really changed the way I view a lot of things. So her name is Haley Moss, and she is the first openly autistic lawyer in the state of Florida. You heard me correctly. She's autistic, and she's a lawyer. She's also an author. She's an artist. She's a speaker. She's an advocate, activist. You name it, she does it. Now, what is so inspirational about this is that I've grown up with autistic people in my life. I've known people like this. And in general, in society, we have this idea that autistic people can't be successful. They're outcasts. They're just not regular and they can't accomplish much. Boy, was I mistaken. I'm sorry I thought this way, but that has all changed since I spoke to Haley. She is a huge inspiration to me and it just goes to show you that If you have any challenge in life, or anybody has any challenge in life, this does not mean that you cannot accomplish, you cannot win at life, and it doesn't mean that you can't realize your dreams. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time because it is so important that you get to hear this interview right away. Let's get right into it. Here is Haley Moss. Haley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. So just to start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Where do you want me to start? So I was actually diagnosed with autism back in 1997 when I was three years old. Okay. I think that's probably the best place to start out because a lot of people ask me about when I was diagnosed and a lot about my childhood. So I think that's probably the best starting point that I have. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I wasn't speaking. I I was nonverbal. My only means of communication were crying and screaming, pretty much. I got in trouble in preschool. I got us kindly asked to leave restaurants, things of that nature. And I wasn't hitting the same developmental milestones that a lot of typical children are when they're three and four years old. So my parents took me in to get tested. And they found out that I was on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. So... Fast forward a little bit, I started speaking about a year later. I started having my own thoughts and putting them into words, so to speak, about the first grade. So a lot of my early speech was just repeating what other people were saying. And 
after that, and of course, with lots of work, support, and all that, I eventually graduated from high school, went to college, went to law school. I actually graduated law school exactly a year ago this past weekend. It totally freaks me out. But Congratulations after, on that. Thank you. So it's my one-year JD anniversary, I guess. is I've been joking that it is since you graduate with your your law degree, your Juris Doctor, so I keep calling it my JD anniversary because everyone then will think that I just graduated from college or high school or not really know. So that's kind of the running joke around here. And I passed the bar exam last year as well, and now I'm a practicing attorney. Wow. So going back a little bit into your early life, can you describe to us what is autism? Because I think many people have misconceptions about it, so it would be best to hear it from you. Well, I'm sure many people have heard the statistics that autism affects 1 in 59 children or 1 in 59 children in the United States are diagnosed with autism, but that really isn't the full story. So the most important thing I think to know is that autism affects each person differently. So I might not have the same traits as another autistic person. I might not have the same interests, might not have the same challenges, strengths, et cetera. Like anybody else, we're just as human. I feel like that seems to get lost in translation a lot because even media portrayals and things of that nature, you'll think that it's all young children and lots of boys. While there are also women, we are not all STEM geniuses either. And I think that's something that I like to remind people is that autism has many different faces and and every single person is very different. But I think the main hallmarks of autism, at least for me, are a lot of challenges socially, challenges with communication, challenges with executive functioning, so starting and stopping tasks, being able to stay on track, things of that nature too. So things that kind of seem to go in line with a lot of other different neurodiverse conditions too. So our brains do work a little differently. And some of that stuff definitely is really hard for me on a daily basis. A lot of my independent living skills kind of are difficult too. So I don't really drive. I have a driver's license, but it's incredibly hard for me because it's very unpredictable. And also just a lot of things like that are difficult for me. And I also, like many other people on the spectrum, have a heightened sensory system. So things that could be really loud or really crowded can be enough to send my body into overdrive. I understand. Okay, so I hope this won't be offensive anyway, just because there's so many misconceptions and such little knowledge out there. I mean, maybe there is knowledge out there, but I would assume that most of the people do not know much about autism. So I would ask you, like, did you go to a a regular school? I did st- I did begin my career in special education. I right. was mainstreamed out by the time I was about four or five. But you have to understand as well that every person on the spectrum is different. Right. And in school, were other students nice to you or how'd that go? But I think the, something that because the best way to describe it is I wasn't So I wasn't somebody who was picked on every day, wasn't beat up or any of that stuff. I wasn't excluded a lot. So I realized, especially with girls, and when I think about it, it would be as simple as being part of the friend group, but being the only person who's not invited to something. It's a lot more subtle. So socially, I did struggle a lot. I had a couple friends in school. Mostly I was friends with the boys because I thought their social, their social skills and social cues were a lot easier to read, and also I had more in common with them in my younger life. I played a lot of video games. So naturally I was better friends with the guys because they wanted to play Pokemon with me. Right. <laughs> so then you graduated 
elementary school, you graduated high school. And mm -hmm. at what point did you decide that you wanted to become a lawyer? I didn't realize I wanted to become a lawyer until about half through college. So when I first got to college, I thought that I wanted to be a doctor. And I'm very honest about this. I thought that I was going to be a psychiatrist, actually. I actually majored in psychology, which was my original plan, and I did stick with it. Because when you struggle with social skills and communication, what better way to understand how other people work than to understand the logic of the human brain? Right. That's how I looked at it. But I realized once I wasn't going to be a doctor because I did not jive well with chemistry and those kinds of classes, and it just didn't make me excited, I realized, what do I like to do? What makes me happy? And I thought about it. I love to write, and I love to talk. And I also know that whatever I do in my life has to be able to make a difference for other people. And that is how I landed on lawyers, is lawyers do a lot of writing, we do a lot of speaking, and we have the potential to make a difference every day for others. I know in my job right now, I do a lot of writing and I do a lot of talking. It's a lot of fun. Wow. That is very impressive. And when you told people you were going to become a lawyer, did anyone look at you with cynicism or you know, were there people who tried to tell you that this wouldn't be possible? There are definitely people who've told me it wouldn't be possible, and they're the same people that told me that going to the college that I went to, I went to University of Florida, Go oh, Gators, wow. big, big school, is they told me that wouldn't be possible either. So I've had doubt every step of the way my entire life, whether it was you can't go to this school, you can't do that, you can't become a lawyer, you might not be able to pass the bar, you might not be admitted to the bar, or any of these things of that nature, that there's always someone, no matter what happens in my life, that tells me that I can't do something. But the way that I see it is I'm the only one who can set those limits. Maybe I can't do it. I thought that even with law school. If there's a chance that I can't do this and it's too much for me, at least I'm going to know. That I will know by the end of my first semester. I'll know the minute I get there if it's too much for me and I can't do it. But at least I found out for myself and not because somebody told me, Haley, you can't go to law school. You can't become a lawyer. So I think that's how I always saw it and that's how I continue to see it. And I actually attribute that to why I am where I am too. And my family's also been incredibly supportive this entire time. Mm -hmm. My family is my biggest cheerleader. And also I think the most important thing is that they weren't the ones who set the limits. They encouraged me. Wow. Because it seems like you have a really, really healthy self-esteem and a lot of determination. Like I don't know many people who can do what you've done. I feel like the thing is I always grew up with autism being a positive in my house. So my parents believe and I believe that all kids know it's hard for them. All people know it's hard for them. But we don't often celebrate the good things about people. We don't celebrate what they're good at, their talents, their strengths. So when I first found out that I was autistic, I was nine years old. I was obsessed with Harry Potter. I was told autism was like having magic, just like Harry Potter, and that being different wasn't a bad thing. It was just different is just like how Harry Potter was different from the muggles, right. I was different from my friends too. But that didn't make him less of a person by any means. And he was also different from the other wizards, but Harry Potter was still the hero of the story. Harry Potter was still awesome. So that's kind of how I saw it, is okay, I'm different, but it's not a bad thing whatsoever. It's just something that makes me who I am. Well, that's a really beautiful message, and, and you are so lucky to have parents who... Uh imparted that message to you because I'm sure there are unfortunately many children whose parents probably don't believe in them as much and you know who knows what kind of damage that could cause I can only speak from my experience so moving forward when did you get into art 
I always was an art, artsy kid. So even when I was in preschool and beyond, I, one of the hallmarks of my preschool career that made some concern is I didn't actually color inside the lines. So I always just kind of did my own thing. I always loved to color. I loved to draw pictures. My mom has all of my early art from when I was like five and six still. It's pretty funny. She shows it to me and sometimes she'll show it to people who come over like, these are the original Haley Moss pictures. It's really cute. But uh, I've always been into art. And even as I got older, I realized it was kind of my de-stressor from school, work, anything that really was kind of in my way and was really challenging is art was my escape. It made me feel good about myself. It was this place that I can run off to if I wanted to. It was awesome for me. I also love art because it's a way to be able to give back. So I mentioned that I always want to help other people. And a lot of the times I will donate my art so then I can help give back to nonprofits that work with people with disabilities or somehow help our community do better. And I think that's something that I really value. And I look at it as I have the great time making art. Somebody makes money to do what they can do and need to do in our communities to make our communities better. And somebody else gets to hang something cool on their wall. So I look at art as a very, very great experience for everybody involved. And I hope that everybody wins my work. Exactly. And I always hope that my work makes people smile. That's what I really hope to do. Even though I really do it for me, I'm always happy when it makes people smile because because of all the bright colors or something like that. That's awesome. Okay. And you're also a gifted writer. How many books did you write? I've written two books and I've also illustrated and contributed to a third. Wow. So what are the books about? So my first book is Middle School, The Stuff Nobody Tells You. I wrote it when I was a freshman in high school, which feels like forever ago. We are somehow coming up to almost 10 years. Wow. <laughs> but that, I know, it, it makes me feel really old really quickly. But I wrote it because I went to three schools in three years, and I knew that something that I went through would be able to help somebody else. That's what originally inspires me to do things. Is I'm like, well, someone can learn something from my experience and something that I share works or helps somebody else It's worth it. But mm-hmm. I realize it's so much bigger than that because I realize that I've helped a lot of people in my lifetime at this point. And I'm incredibly blessed to say that I can wake up every day and know that something that I did made a difference. But that's why I started writing. I also wrote my second book, A Freshman Survival Guide for College Students with Autism Spectrum Disorders, because free resource out there for college students on the autism spectrum was written by either a parent. There was nothing by autistic students for autistic students. So I wanted to be that voice. Mm-hmm. And the third book? I was a contributor and I illustrated the cover of the Autism Women's Network anthology, What Every Autistic Girl Wishes Her Parents Knew. So it's written by all sorts of different women on the autism spectrum, sharing advice, their life stories, their successes, their challenges with parents, so then they can help be better parents to their daughters on the spectrum. Amazing. And so that leads into the next question, which has to do with activism and mm-hmm. advocacy. What are you doing um, in that realm for the autistic community? I keep writing, and I also like to write shorter pieces, especially because they're available to anyone who wants to read them. So I've written for places like HuffPost, Teen Vogue, Bustle, Elite Daily. I kind of have my long list. And also right now, what I'm really trying to do is trying to break a lot of stigma and change conversation, open dialogue, since a lot of the autism conversation does involve parents and professionals, like I mentioned earlier. But we don't often hear enough from people on the spectrum, especially not in the public discourse and 
conversations like we're having right now. Right. So that's the first thing that I think needs to happen and change and that I'm working to get done. The other thing that really matters to me is this idea of neurodiversity in the workplace. So autistic people generally are very unemployed or underemployed. I've seen statistics as high as 90% of us are under or unemployed. Whoa. What exactly? It's a huge disparity. And as someone who is gainfully employed, I mean, I am practicing law and I actually do work in a firm with other people. I think, how can I make this better? Is after going viral, I look at it and being an openly autistic attorney, when one of us moves up, we all move up. It's how do we make this better for everybody else, not just me. This is not about me. Is I'm glad that we're having this conversation because of something that I've done and where I am, but how do we make it better for everybody else? So it's something that I'm trying to actively explore and work on and get to work with wonderful people to help make that happen, whether it's in the legal profession or overall, because I do realize this is a huge problem. And it's a problem for all different neurodiverse people. So something that I want to mention is when I say neurodiversity, Mm -hmm. I'm not just saying autism. And I think that's a conflation that happens a lot is people just assume neurodiversity means autism. It really doesn't. Neurodiversity to me is autism, ADHD, learning disabilities, intellectual disabilities, brain injuries, Tourette's syndrome, et cetera, certain health issues. So it's all people who have different brain profiles. And I realize it's a, a diversity that doesn't seem to be accepted or included nearly as often as it should be in the workplace. Right. I can even tell you when I was looking at diversity hiring initiatives when I was in law school, not one of them included disability overall, let alone neurodiversity. So I think it's something that definitely needs to change and something that I'm committed to making sure happens. If it doesn't all happen right away, that's okay. It doesn't have to happen today. And it might not happen in my lifetime. But what I really do hope to see is that something that I'm able to do makes it better for the next generation. So I talk to a lot of parents of kids on the spectrum and these kids are usually like five or six or they're early on in childhood i hope that something that i do as an adult makes it better for when those children grow up well i have no doubt that what you're doing is making better for those children like for example just uh let's say a couple weeks ago i didn't know who you were but i came across a video a video about you i think it was either on facebook or on youtube and Mm -hmm. i was so inspired because and again I, i don't mean any offense but the way I grew up and I understood autistic people are just different and I believe that society thinks that they can't accomplish as much as other people. And then when mm-hmm. I saw that you are a lawyer and a writer and an artist and all that and you're you're doing speaking engagements and you're talking to the press every day and all sorts of events and things, it's you're accomplishing much more than most, can we say, regular people. And that's super inspirational. So you're definitely making a very big difference in the world. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And you're not offending me at all. And what you're saying is true. We don't have very high expectations of autistic people or people with disabilities in general. It's something that I don't think is a good thing. I think what needs to happen is it shouldn't be news. It shouldn't be exceptional when one of us does things. I think that... There should be a day when if you see somebody with a disability at work or someone else on the autism spectrum in a role like an attorney or a doctor or even in any workplace that you're at right now, that it's just normal. It's not something to be applauded. It's not exceptional. It's just part of everyday life. It's not a big deal. I think that's kind of the goal. 
Yeah, it sounds like something really good to look forward to, and and I think you're going to be a very big part of making that a reality. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, hats off to you. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> um, let me ask you this: Did you mm -hmm. have a hard time once you graduated, like finding a job? No. So I actually knew a former partner at my law firm okay. before I got. I met I met someone from the firm actually during my second year of law school. I worked here as a summer associate. So for those of you who aren't in legal, summer associates are basically base, kind of like baby first-year lawyers, but they're summer interns with a fancier title, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And summer associates, usually if you do a good job, you get hired to start full-time after you graduate. So I was actually at my firm as a summer associate, and I got a full-time offer. So... I knew that I was going to be working here before I graduated law school. All I had to do was to pass the bar exam. Wow. I bet you're probably outperforming like everyone else in your firm. <laughs> I can't speak to that. But I do have a great time. I get along with everybody. I've made friends here, and I have a great relationship with the people that I work with. I think that's something that's really important, and I think people don't expect that when you're on the spectrum. They think, okay, we know that social stuff is really hard for you, and Yes, it is, but I feel accepted at work. I've made great friends. I've made great I have colleagues that I enjoy working with, and I think that's something important. Wow, that's beautiful. And I was just thinking, like, I bet, you know, I've never met you yet, but I bet when people meet you and they see you and, you know, they hear you talk and whatever, and then they find out that you're on the autism spectrum, they're probably blown away. Like, it's it's so fresh to see something like this, and you're truly a massive inspiration i don't know if they're blown away i think sometimes people are act surprised or they're not surprised because like you said it's all over the news and i'm very much openly autistic i don't try to hide who i am i don't try to pretend to be somebody i'm not it's too much work honestly so yeah people <laughs> see my hands move they'll see if i'm not looking at them they'll see all these things and it's totally fine it's not a big deal right but for somebody who's never heard of you Mm -hmm. They would probably they, be very probably, surprised. They probably will. They probably will be, especially because one, the version of autism that we seem to generalize in media and in our own stereotyping doesn't look like me. It looks like a little boy. You might not be verbal because, as we know, it is a really large spectrum. And if they are, or they're someone that we think of as what was diagnosed as Asperger's syndrome, we think of men working in the sciences or engineering or computers. We don't think about women. So I think that also happens is people don't know what they're look people don't know better. They don't really know. So I think that's what happens. And sometimes I realize there's a little bit of confusion or they assume that I might not be able to understand them because a lot of people who are on the spectrum also do have intellectual disabilities. So there will be moments that I tell somebody and they will suddenly treat me like I'm in the second grade. Wow. And how how would you deal with somebody like that if somebody starts to treat you that way? I just continue to talk to them as we would normally. Like you don't have to do that. You don't have to. You with disability generally, one of the biggest things that we like to preach is to presume competence. So, no matter how profoundly disabled someone may appear to be, assume that they understand you and understand what's going on, unless you have clear indications that they don't, or if they tell you they don't. So. I'm a big believer in presuming confidence, and it's honestly, for me, it's a teachable moment for somebody else that they they automatically don't presume confidence with me. 
I have I realize I have a lot of opportunity to help change the world. And it's not always just changing the world per se, but you can change somebody's perception. You can change people and the world one person at a time. So I realize in a lot of people, and I've said this before, actually, I wrote about this for HuffPost a couple of years ago, is sometimes I'm the very first person on the autism spectrum somebody will meet. Right. And I realize they will make their preconceptions and stereotype and do all of these things based on their interactions with me. So in a weird way, it's a lot of pressure to do a good job representing this community, but it's also an important thing to realize I can change how somebody feels about autism just by existing, just by having a conversation person to person. Wow, that's that's really very powerful. It's uh, an interesting way to look at it. I don't think necessarily I have to educate every person I meet, but I do realize that people will generalize how they feel about autism and their experiences with autistic people based on how their interactions go with me. It happens with a lot of different minorities and disabilities overall is our experiences are very much colored by the interactions that we do have. Yeah, they say you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Exactly. Okay, so now just a couple more questions if that's okay. Totally. Okay, so can you tell us about what was your, let's say, um, greatest challenge in life so far? Good question. I think... Honestly, what happens, the biggest challenge I have is that people tend to underestimate the things that are hard for me. So there's plenty of things that I struggle with every single day, but people assume because I have a job, I'm verbal, and I also can speak for myself and all of these great things that I don't struggle with the different things about autism that make my life difficult. So yes, it is difficult having trouble socially. It is difficult being prone to sensory overload and sometimes having like fluorescent lights hum in your head and then it's just overwhelming and your body wants to shut down something like that it's hard having a brain that doesn't work the same way that everybody else's does but that's not to say i don't embrace it i absolutely do i wouldn't trade being autistic to be somebody else i wouldn't know who i'd be otherwise but i do think that's the hardest thing is that people don't realize how many challenges i do face too and for me personally those challenges i think make me stronger. And I also think that the biggest challenge I do face is people that doubt me every step of the way. And it's kind of hard when you want to be the one person who says yes, when everybody else says no. Uh, So what do you, um, what, 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 like, what would you say to people who have someone on the autism spectrum in their lives? How can they be more, um, helpful? How can they be more understanding? What can they do? I think, Listen, I think that's the biggest thing that happens is people don't listen to us. And communication, as you may or may not know, takes many forms. Communication is not as simple as us having this conversation right now. Communication is also body language. It's yes, it's no. It's maybe typing your words instead. It's writing. So listen however you can. We have a lot to say. I also think it's important as a parent, and especially for parents, to nurture their children's talents and interests. And so often with autism, a lot of us have these interests that are very intense, that we're very excited about, that we're very passionate about. And sometimes people try to discourage us from that. Mm -hmm. I think you should be encouraging it because oftentimes these interests are something that brings us great joy. It It gives us freedom to be who we are. And 
Maybe someday down the road, it will lead to a job. Maybe it will lead to an opportunity. You don't know, but it also builds confidence and self-esteem if you're encouraging kids to be themselves. So I'm a big fan of that. Well, it sounds like a really healthy way to see the world. I don't know what it's like to be a parent, so I can't speak on that perspective, but I do know what it feels like to be a child who's been encouraged the whole way. And I always did feel like I had a very healthy self-esteem, and I do have that confidence because I know from even growing up in the house that I did that I'm exactly who I'm going to be, and that's totally cool. Wow. Very powerful. Okay, two more questions. Um, What is... Haley Moss working on for the future? Any new books, art projects? What what can we look forward to? Haley Moss is also go, speaking and doing all sorts of fun things. So I get to travel a lot, which is really fun. So I'm also so when I'm not writing, I'm not actually working full time. I know it seems to freak people out sometimes that I do have a full time job outside of autism. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I swear I do have a full time job. So that's why. To anyone listening, if you get in touch with me, sometimes it might take a while for me to get back to you because I do work full-time outside of this. But mm-hmm. I am traveling and speaking at events. I'm also continuing to write. I like to write shorter pieces when I have the time because they are more accessible to everybody. Right. So that means they're basically they're online for you to read for free. It makes things a little bit more exciting. But I do want to write another book sometime when I can slow down. I want to keep doing art and I'm also doing more to get involved in our community, both the autism community and the disability community at both the local and national levels, because it just means a lot to me to be part of this community. And all change, I believe, happens small. So I think change happens a lot at the local level. It happens at the state level. It takes time before it happens widespread. That's how I always see it. And even with politics and things like that, too, I think everything starts small. So... I'm trying to make change in my community and I'm hoping to spread that. And I do get to work with some amazing partners throughout my community, amazing organizations, amazing people that are working on spreading neurodiversity in the workplace, hiring initiatives, and even just acceptance of autism in our community. So I'm really, really excited about what's to come and I will be sure to keep everybody posted. Wow. It's so, this is amazing. Like you do everything. When do you have time to sleep? I'm tired. I say that every day and everyone's like, really? You're, you're tired. Yeah, but I did get to be a little bit of a bum this weekend and sit by the pool because it is Miami and it was nice outside. Nice. <laughs> so I do try to balance everything as best I can. And I also try to take at least an hour each day to just myself to do whatever I want. So whether that's drawing or sitting by the pool or exercising, whatever that is, I want an hour to myself that's just mine. You know, I, I I don't know. I feel weird saying this, but I could just I can see you testifying before Congress. <laughs> a lot of people tell me that they can see me running for office someday, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm I'm not even 25. I'm not planning out my entire life yet. I'm still like thinking about. Okay, I still got stuff to do today. <laughs> yeah, well, in 10 but years, you are really eligible cool. to be the the president. That would be cool if you could be the first woman president, wouldn't it? That would be something else. I never really thought about it. I'd never just, I never thought of myself as a politician. I just want the world to be a better place. But you're, I mean, if that's what politicians should be doing, so I think uh, you'd be very warmly received by the American public, and you're very well spoken, as as we can tell. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, last question: If there is anybody in the world, alive or dead, that you could have lunch with. 
Who would it be? Personally, I want to have lunch with Lady Gaga. <laughs> wow. I, I love her music. I love her message. I love that she stands up for people with disabilities because she also has chronic pain and things of that. I love that she stands up for people who are different. I love the work she's done with the Born This Way Foundation. And I also just happen to love her music. I think she's so talented and brings so much to this world. And I think we could do something really cool together or just, you know, have a great lunch and conversation. Okay. Well, I love Lady Gaga. I'm such, a little, I'm such a dork. I really hope it works out for you. Thank you. I just think it would be cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate your time and what you're doing for the community and for the world. Once again, I cannot stress this enough, but you are a massive inspiration to myself personally. I'm sure the listeners will agree. And if people want to learn more about you, get your books or your art, where can they find you? You can find me at net, or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at HaleyMossArt. Awesome. I know. I signed up for social media when I was a teenager, and I was not able to lock down my full name as much as I would like that. <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, people will not have a hard time finding you. You're literally everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> so keep doing what you do. God bless you. you. And once again, you're a super massive inspiration. And I look forward to seeing uh, a lot of good stuff coming from you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. That was Haley Moss. What a powerhouse of inspiration, motivation, dedication. She does everything. Really strong woman. I am amazed by this conversation that I've had with her and really helps me see the world in a different way right now. Um, Obviously, there are many people who have difficulties and disabilities, and they're just regular people trying to go about their lives with their disabilities and difficulties. We can do a lot better by making the world a more inclusive place, trying to help these people out, be kind to them, understand them, have compassion for them. And through this, we can help them realize their dreams. Also, if you have a difficulty, if you have any problem or disability, that does not mean that you cannot win at life. You definitely can be successful. And Haley Moss is the perfect example to show you of what success looks like, regardless of what kind of difficulties you have. Now, while we are here, I don't want to waste your time, so I'm not going to tell you about the fact that our podcast is on YouTube and on Stitcher and on Spotify and on iTunes and in Google Podcasts, and on CastBox, and a bunch of other places. Wherever there are podcasts, that's where we are. I'm also not going to tell you that it really helps the show grow when you leave a review. So please, if you're on iTunes, leave a review, a positive one, and it will help the show grow. I I will appreciate it tremendously. And hopefully we'll be back next week with another great edition of You Are Not a Goat. If you want to contact me in any way, you can reach out to me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Chusidel. That's C-H-U-S-I-D-E-L. I will respond to every single message. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. I'm a sort of a busy guy, but I will get back to you. Thanks again for listening to You Are Not a Goat. My name is Shlomi Zions, and we will see you next week. You are not a goat. The podcast for you. For you.